Section 10 of the Book of Famous Sieges. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Stephen Seidel. The Book of Famous Sieges by Tudor Jinks. The Siege of Syracuse, 214 B.C. In Plutarch's Life of Marcellus, we read of the great siege of the city of Syracuse in the year 214 B.C. This was a fight of a navy against a strongly fortified seaport with lofty walls, assisted at the same time by a land attack. Marcellus had sixty great galleys and plenty of the artillery of the time for throwing arrows and stones. He chained eight galleys together to support one huge engine, trusting that its heavy fire would destroy the wall. Archimedes, the great philosopher, a kinsman of King Hiero of Syracuse, was begged to lend his aid against the Romans, and he used his skill to help the Syracusans in making and handling their artillery. He is said to have shot great timbers into the Roman ships, and so sunk them, to have caught some of them by their prows with great hooks, and raised the bows till they went down stern foremost to have hoisted others into the air, whirled them about, and dropped them on the rocks, and so forth. As for the great engine on eight galleys, it was first struck with a mighty stone weighing more than a thousand pounds, then a second, and a third, and it went to pieces. Marcellus gave up the attack. Next, he tried to dash close to the walls, thinking Archimedes' machines only good at a distance. But the old philosopher had made others for short range, and the Romans were again quickly repulsed by showers of stones, volleys of arrows, and so many missiles that they lost not only men, but ships. Marcellus, seeing that the brain of Archimedes had inspired all the Syracusans, tried to shame the Romans to the attack, but they were in a panic, and shied at seeing a rope or a bit of timber on the walls. He had, therefore, to give up any idea of assaulting, and rely upon a blockade. Marcellus took a prisoner, whom the Syracusans were eager to ransom, and while consulting with them about this, Marcellus noted that a certain tower was ill-guarded. Providing scaling ladders of the right length, an attack was made while the citizens were keeping a feast to Diana. The Romans gained the wall, and then by boldness and noise put the Syracusans into a panic, and so came into possession of the city. Archimedes, it is said, was ordered to come before Marcellus, and being in a brown study told the Roman soldier to wait until he had finished a geometry problem, whereupon the soldier, not being interested in mathematics, drew his sword and bisected the philosopher. The burning of the Roman fleet by mirrors or lenses is not told of in several of the best authorities, but experiments have been made to show that curved mirrors might have sent the sun's rays in a concentrated beam, and so have set fire to light wood not too distant. The long struggle between Rome and Carthage saw a number of greater and lesser battles against the cities, but there can be little said of these since they do not give us new light on the methods of warfare. Were it not for the fact that it is also desired to choose in this book sieges not too near one another in time, 
the siege of Carthage by Scipio in 147 BC should be told. But it was not a contest in which the conditions were at all equal. The Carthaginians had been deprived of everything with which they could make war. Their ships were burned, their military engines carried away or broken up, even their very weapons demanded by the Romans. Yet, when the Roman conquerors demanded the destruction of the city, the Carthaginians refused in utter despair of any mercy. They worked in a frenzy to defend themselves, the Carthaginian women even given their long hair to be twisted into bowstrings. That the city should fall was inevitable, but the defense, the most heroic, was rather that of a great horde of citizens fighting desperately against overwhelming odds than a fair struggle between armies. Altogether, it is rather a story of cruelty and horror than of scientific warfare. Of a very different type is the campaign of Caesar in Gaul. Although the Gauls had not so much science in war as the Romans, yet they were a brave and heroic people, and they had an enormous advantage in numbers. It required Rome's greatest captain and her best engineers to take their palisaded cities. Caesar took several Gallic cities by sieges, as most schoolboys are forced to know in reading his commentaries. The most noted of these sieges were those of Avaricum, a city amid marshes, and Elysia. Avaricum was taken by a great mound and enormous towers. The Gauls here fought Caesar in towers like his own. They undermined his mound. They caught in nooses the hooks with which the Romans tried to tear down their ramparts. They scorned death, as it is shown by the incident of four or more Gauls being shot in succession as they stood in a breach throwing fire against the Roman works. Caesar tells this incident with admiration, and it shows the accuracy with which the Roman engineers plied the Scorpio or machine bow. Finally, Caesar took the wall by assault and captured the town. The siege of Elysia was carried on with even more science and against a far greater force, both within and without the city, and it is of this siege that we shall next tell. End of section 10